Well, we're here in our series on Toxic Talk, and I love uh, Jackie. She, I don't think you'll mind sharing this. She said, Chris, if we keep going on... Oh, you, you, did you? Yeah? No, okay, okay. And uh, she said, if we keep going on this, I won't have anything to say. And I said, exactly. That's exactly right. I'm in the same boat. I've managed to violate and, and blow the lesson after I've taught it each week. I've, I've done really good. And, of course, last yesterday, as I will share in a moment at the volleyball con- tournament, I had uh, plenty of opportunity to both hear and participate in murmuring. So let's take a look at this. Uh, notice Philippians 2, 14 through 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We're real good at seeing the crookedness and the perversity of our generation, and we can get real negative, but what we miss is that we are to be lights, and it's our speech that makes the difference, among whom you appear appear as lights in the world. Uh, I know the story is an old one, but it's a funny one, and I like telling it. A A monk joined a monastery and took a vow of silence. And after the first seven years, his superior called him and asked him, do you have anything to say? And the monk replied, food, bad. And after another seven years, the monk again had the opportunity to speak his thoughts. And he said, bed, hard. And after another seven years went by, and again he was called before his superior. When asked if he had anything to say, he responded, I quit. And to which his superior said, uh, doesn't surprise me a bit. All you've done since you've been here is complain. And, uh, oh, you know, that that's just true, isn't it? That's just, we can relate to that. But how do you stop that? Well, out west, there was a cowboy was driving down a dirt road, and his dog was riding in the back of his pickup truck. And his faithful horse was in the trailer behind, and he failed to negotiate a curve, and he had a terrible accident. And sometimes, sometime later, a highway patrolman came by and came on the scene of the wreck, and he was an animal lover, and he saw the horse first, and realizing the serious nature of his injuries, he, he shot the horse to put him out of his misery. didn't take him long to walk around and see the dog as well, and it was hurt, and, and uh, he couldn't bear to hear it whine in pain, so he ended the dog's suffering as well. And finally, he located the cowboy, who had suffered multiple fractures, and he was off in the, in the ditch to the side, and he hollered at him, Hey, are you okay? the cop asked. And the cowboy took one look at the revolver still smoking in the trooper's hand and said, I'm, I've never felt better. I've never felt better. So there are ways to stop constant complaining. There are. But uh, nothing, nothing kills your heart. Nothing kills your marriage. Nothing kills your family. Nothing will kill your grow group, your workplace, our church, like negative talk, like complaining, like murmuring, or what we're going to call godless grumbling. It's like a cancer that eats away and destroys everything in its path. It's a poison. It's deadly to community, and it's deadly, as we're going to see this morning, to moving forward on what God has for us in the future. It's like this Ebola, Ebola uh, spread. It spreads and it kills and it can go viral and it's carried by individuals and by entire groups. Uh, I, I encounter, I've encountered this uh, many times in my life, and, and, but one place that I didn't expect to encounter it was when Amber first started playing club volleyball and here's these families and these players and 
And this was a whole new uh, subculture of our community that we were getting involved in. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is going to be this is going to be nice. I'm going to be able to just watch my daughter develop and get better and enjoy and develop her skills and just kind of hang back and be with people that are new. They don't know me and don't ha- you know just not a lot of expectations and, and and it won't be you know it won't be churchy and and this is just going to be great. Well. It started out that way, but it didn't take long before uh, these kids, the, the, the majority of the team, went south on our coach. And uh, there were problems and everything, but certainly not worth what they were starting to do to this lady who was coaching us. And, uh, and, and it was interesting to sit back for a while because I didn't have to, I, didn't, I wasn't touched by it, and watch as these kids, as their parents went south, the kids went south. And then as their parents murmured and complained and attacked the coach, the kids' play began to change on the court. I mean, it was, uh, it was fascinating. Right, the, 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 the angry and the meaner and the uglier that the parents got, the worse our play got, and the cancer was spreading. And pretty soon, I was doing more pastoring at volleyball than I was here at the church. I was like, I, this is unbelievable. This is volleyball, people. And uh, I, I was like having to defend the coach and sending her texts and, and messages to encourage her and say, you know, and hey, I, you know, this is, this is unreal. You're, you're just, it was cannibalism. It was group cannibalism. And uh, it was just an amazing and a sad thing. We had an outbreak in our church in the 90s that was horrible of uh, murmuring and grumbling. And when the last carrier left our church, literally when the last Sunday and the last of that person left, it was like the whole spirit of the church just lifted. This is deadly, deadly stuff. And it can happen in the workplace, it can happen in sports, it can happen in the church, it can happen anywhere. And so... We're going to do a two-part lesson on godless grumbling, and this week we're going to look at what it is and where it comes from. And then next week we'll do more of the detox. So we're going to look at the toxic part today, and then we'll look at the detoxing of our talk, of our murmuring. So let's look at it. What is what is murmuring? What is murmuring? Here's a definition, simple, right there for you. Complaining and not just complaining, oh, hey, you know, I don't like this uh, bakery, I'm, uh, this donut I'm eating. But complaining with a critical spirit. It's the heart attitude that's key. It's not just saying, oh, I wish it was more sunny today. That's a complaint. But complaining with a critical spirit that holds on to a negative attitude. It holds on to a negative attitude towards the situation or the people involved. It's toxic talk that spreads an attitude of disbelief that becomes discontent, that becomes deep-seated dissatisfaction that leads to disobedience. In two words, it's godless grumbling. It's grumbling about life as though God is not on the throne, as if God, as though God is not involved in your life. It's godless grumbling. It runs the gamut. From complaining about a slow driver in front of you to being angry at God for the things He has allowed to come into your life. People, a spouse, your own kids, your parents, pastors, church members, bosses, and 
It's not just people. It could be circumstances. My bad health. My job loss. This church split that I, I didn't want to be a part of. This, this destruction of a volleyball team, of all things, that I, I didn't pay to be a part of. Misses, missed opportunities. Broken relationships. So it's all sorts of things. I, uh, and, 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 it's, and we do it. it let, me, let me give you the best illustration of murmuring. Murmuring is a word that both in the Hebrew that we're going to look at in a moment and in the English sounds like what it is. Murmuring. Murmuring is called murmuring because it sound, when you murmur, you sound like you're saying murmuring, right? So over here, I just want to just repeat after me. Just say, just say murmur, 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 murmur. Just more, more. Just keep, you keep doing it. Okay, over here, you do it. Okay, I sat through like five hours of a band competition. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Now I'm I'm going to conduct. Okay, so louder, louder. Okay, lower. Follow my hands. Dana, come on, Dana. Participate, Dana. No, everybody's in the band today. Everybody murmuring. So did you hear that? That's what murmuring is. So you know when you're driving and you're stuck in traffic, what do you? You know, and uh, or I've already told you that I do my murmuring in the in the shower. I think about what's frustrating me. I had a a work situation one time years ago, decades ago, and uh, I would work through that situation and not work through it, just murmur through it every morning. Man, I'd be, oh man, murmur. That's what murmuring is. We've all done it. Um, so that's. That's what it is. That's a definition. Now, where is it found in the Bible? Where is murmuring found in the Bible? The best way to understand murmuring is see where it is in the Bible. And I would sum it up this way. Murmuring is the background music of the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. It's the soundtrack of a carnal life. It's the playlist on the iPod of those who reject God's promises. The word for murmuring occurs mainly almost entirely in Exodus 15 through 17, which you see there in your notes, and Numbers 14 through 17. And there's only two other places in, in the Old Testament where this word murmuring appears. In your uh, many translations, modern ones, it's grumbling, translated grumbling or murmuring. And uh, what's amazing when you look at that and you can see it, Murmuring was the number one pastime of Israel after they were delivered from Egypt. So these are a redeemed uh, people of God. These are people who have been delivered out of bondage. And it's what they do the entire time, basically, until they cross the Jordan River and enter into the Promised Land. So you see there in Egypt, they're redeemed by the promises of God. I'm going to save you and I'm going to take you into the promised land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be glorious. I'm going to dwell with you. You're going to be with me. I will be your king and you will have your priests. It's going to be wonderful. And then immediately in Exodus 15 through 17, they encounter this time of testing. And God's basically saying, are you going to trust and obey me here in the wilderness? And they begin their murmuring and they murmur. And they murmur, and we could do, if Dana would participate, we could do this more, and we would keep doing this and go on it, because that's basically, and, and, and Dana, what we could do is get up, if you'd get up with me, and we could walk around and go through the church murmuring as though we're going through the wilderness, because that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing until they come to a critical choice, and God has finally taught them and they have finally learned, and they choose to trust and obey, and they enter into the promised land, a place of rest, 
a place of maturity and they quit their 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 murmuring. They they're they're still do all sorts of wrong things, but the murmuring is over. Murmuring is a mark of immaturity, in other words. I mean, they're not three days out of the the parting of the Red Sea, they begin to murmur. Not three days. Not three days. So let's look at it. Let's do a little bit of the study of it and get into your Bible. Turn your Bibles to Exodus 15. We're going to see that murmuring begins right after leaving Egypt. Right after leaving Egypt. So get in your Bibles there to Exodus chapter 15. In Exodus 14, you have the powerful uh, uh, parting of the Red Sea, the dividing of the Red Sea, which does two things. It delivers Israel. It shows God shows His mercy to Israel who have their backs up against the wall. They have no way out. He shows His mercy. He delivers them by the parting of the sea and then by the bringing of the sea back onto the Pharaoh and his, and his, uh, his, uh, his army that's coming to destroy. He delivers them and He pours out His wrath. So the parting of the Red Sea is both mercy and wrath. It's mercy to God's people. It's wrath to God's enemies. And so in Exodus 15, verses 1 through 21, you've got the song of Moses, which is a song praising the glory of God's mercy and God's wrath. So this is a high time, a praise time. God has powerfully revealed himself. The people have been delivered. They're out of bondage. I mean, this is the best thing you got going on. And so we come to verse 22, Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And the wilderness of Shur is this vast wilderness that basically lies between Egypt and the Promised Land. And they went three days. I mean, this is not three days after the parting of the Red Sea. And they found no water. You're in the burning desert. You're following God, you're following God's man, you're God's people, and you're three days into this adventure, and there is no water. That's verse 22. But it gets worse. Verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which in Hebrew means bitter. And so, here it is, three days, three days, you're thirsty. Okay, three days without, I mean, most of us Americans have never experienced that. But three days is about as long as you can go without water. And so here you are, and then when you come to water, ah, water. It's like all those movies you see when they're in the desert, and they come to the thing, and it, you know, they start, and don't drink it, you will die. Well, yeah, if you drank this, you would die. So it goes from bad to worse. No water to bitter water. So what do you do in a situation like that when three days prior, God has shown you His glory his power, the fulfillment of his promises. Well, here's what you do. Verse 24. So the people, what? Blamed, grumbled, murmured. There's our word. They murmured. They grumbled. And at who? Moses saying, what shall we drink? Now, this word for murmuring here, it's not merely complaining. Oh, I wish we had water. They were questioning questioning God's abilities and Moses' ability to take care of them. The word is a hostile complaining. It's a strong word of discontent. It's an angry rejection. I like how the New American Standard, they grumbled at Moses. 
Okay, this, is, this isn't, hey, let's discuss how we're going to solve this water shortage. It's at you. It's in his face. I like how the New Living Translation kind of captures the idea very well in this uh, partial uh, paraphrase and translation. Here, listen to it. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. That's, that's a fr- that captures this one word. They complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So they're not just saying this. They're dem- Look, our needs are not being met. The last time I looked, you were in charge. What are you going to do about it? And when are you going to do it? And we need it fast. Now, what is at the heart of the problem? Let's keep reading in verses 25 through 27, and let's see what is the heart of the issue. The issue is rarely the issue. Let me say that again. The issue that you and I are murmuring about is rarely the issue. Believe me, on that volleyball team, as challenged as the coach was, She was not the issue. Look at 25 through 27. Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and a regulation, and there he, referring to God, God tested them. See, it's a test. It's a test from God. That thing that you're murmuring about, that thing that you're grumbling about, that, that need that's not being met, it's, it's allowed by God to test you. In fact, it may be directly put there by God to test you. Look at verse 26, and he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice. Now, you thought that was a show, and it all started with, with Simon, but no. Heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, the plagues on you, which I've put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Look to me. Don't look to Moses. Don't look to the water. Don't look to the desert. Look to me. And then verse 27, then they came, then they came. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water. How many tribes were there? God knows exactly who you are, where you are, and what your need is. There were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. And ultimately, there's going to be 70 elders and leaders in the nation of Israel. It's all reflective of, look, I've got you covered. And they camped there beside the waters. Isn't what a beautiful picture? resting in the wilderness. It's an oasis, and it's not a mirage. It's it's a God-given, directed place of rest and renewal, and needs are met. It's an issue of trust and obedience. That's the issue. The issue in murmuring is it's a test of whether we're going to trust and obey. Listen to Psalm 78, the divine commentary on this. Because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation, that's why they were suffering in the wilderness. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. And again and again they tempted God, tempted him to destroy him, and pained, grieved, pained the Holy One of Israel. And they did not remember his power. Three days earlier he divided the Red Sea. And the day day when he redeemed them from 
the adversary. You have a Red Sea day too. I hope you do here this morning. A time when God redeemed you and delivered you out of your sin and out of the bondage of your sin. And maybe you too had an Israel experience that three days after you got saved and accepted Jesus and everything was going to be rosy, all of a sudden there was no water in your life. All of a sudden suffering came and you began to grumble. So that's the issue. Notice what it says in your notes. uh, Or murmuring uh, when they right before they uh, right before entering the promised land so that that was at the beginning that's exodus now we're going to jump to numbers and turn your bibles to numbers 13 okay numbers 13 so now we're 2 years later okay this is 2 years later you would think they would have just learned the lesson like we so easily do right no no they're just like us so now you're in numbers 13 and 2 years later Uh, actually, it even begins in Numbers 11. This time, there's no meat. First time, there was no water. This time, there's no meat. And they're like, there's no solid uh, substance to eat, really good, significant food. And so they they, they begin to complain that there's no meat. And then we come to um, chapter 12, where they begin uh, Miriam and Aaron, Moses' own brother and sister, begin to complain and murmur against his leadership and how they ought to get a piece of the action. And they're as good as he is, and they're as close to God as he is, and they could do a better job than he's doing, and they begin to murmur. And then you come to chapter 13, and it really gets interesting, because here they are on the edge of the of the promised land, and they've been wandering in this wilderness, and God has been providing them. In fact, one scripture says he's provided manna from heaven, so they have food, they just don't have the food they want. they got manna every day, and they can even rest on, on Saturday, and God provides twice as much on Friday, so they don't have to do any work on Saturday. And, 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 and it says their feet didn't even swell. Boy, some of us would love to have that miracle, right? So they're walking all over the wilderness, and God says, your sandal didn't wear out, and your foot didn't swell. And here, two years later, they're on the verge and so the 12 spies go out. Most of you know the story. They go out and they, 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 they check out the land. And here we are in Numbers chapter 12, or uh, I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 13. So here's what happens. They go out and what, what do they find? They, they find that God's promise is true. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. And this is one of the most bizarre things of that. They get this pole and they bring back this, this big bounty of, 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 of grapes that is so big, it takes two men to carry that. I mean, I don't know, I'm a big grape lover. Any guy grape lovers here? Can you imagine how big that cluster of grapes and how big? The, I, I don't know, I, I just, it's amazing. And, and so God's promises were true, but what else did they say? What, what else was their report? Not only was all the milk and honey and the fruit and the abundance and the land was great, what else was in the land? There's giants in the land. There's giants in the land. And because of those giants, we can't go in. And so they give the bad report. And they begin to grumble. Look at uh, Numbers uh, 14, 1 through 4. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel, and there's our word, grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, 
or would that we had died in this wilderness. We'd rather be in bondage in Egypt or starving and, and sweating and, and, and wandering in the wilderness than to have this opportunity to enter the promised land. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? That's not what God said He was doing. Our wives and our little ones will become plundered. God promised that wouldn't happen. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, now look at verse 4. So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. That is the heart of murmuring. That is, what is the issue? What is the issue? Well, let's keep reading. Look at, look at what it says. It says, uh, drop down to verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of land, for they shall be our prayer. Uh, pray. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. That's the key. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. And then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. Now, verse 11 tells us the real issue. The real issue is not the giants in the land. The real issue is this. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? How long will they not believe in me? despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst. What's the issue? Trust and obedience. So look at some of the things we've learned from this brief overview. Murmuring is the fruit of letting our carnal thoughts and desires shape our expectations, with the result that we are not content with what God has promised and provided us. It's carnal thinking. Murmuring is the result of expecting that our every need will be met in the wilderness and we will be brought to the promised land, notice, without any effort or sacrifice on our part. I thought this was going to be easy, Lord. I thought we were just going to do it and keep doing it and we just were going to ride the uh, easy train into the uh, promised land. Murmuring is the expression of a mob mentality in rebelling against God and godly leaders who are leading according to His will. It's all right to correct and, and to question and even remove God, ungodly leaders and, and, and not follow leaders that are not leading God's direction. But one thing we know here in, in uh, Exodus and Numbers, it was a godly leader and he was leading in godly direction. Not so easy in our life, in our own world to discern that. But it certainly was here. And notice, even with a godly leader leading in a godly direction, there is still murmuring. There's still grumbling. Um, one, one note here. The subject of this verb, murmuring, is always in the plural. This, you know, last two weeks we've talked about conversation can cannibals of gossip and slander. Basically, murmuring is gossip and slander taken on a mob mentality. It's a group gossip. It's a group slandering. It's a group attack. Murmuring, and, and I can't make it any easy, uh, simpler than this. Murmuring is godless. Godless grumbling. It's godless grumbling. By even the people of God. And that's what's so scary about these sins. That's what's so scary about murmuring, that even the people of God can be a godless grumbler. I can tell you that what happens in godless grumbling is we miss the signs of God's grace being with us in the hard times. I can promise you that this past year has been anything that our family would have desired, chosen, wanted, 
and it has been, uh, you know, sure, the most difficult uh, in many, many ways. But as we look back on a year ago, we can see, and I, we sometimes have to remind one another of this, that, oh, look how God, every step of the way, if you will look, if you will look to God, he will show you. And, and I can't, you say, well, give me an example. I can't even, t- these things are so minor and so little, I can't even explain them to you. It may be a song on the radio. It may be a note, you know, from someone. I can show you this one. We had a hard, Monday was hard. You know, do you ever have a hard day? I know, really? Okay. Hard day. Hard day was Monday. We had a hard day as a family. Uh, you know, it started with Amber uh, oversleeping, which she has done excellent getting herself up, but but she's just worn out and she overslept and, and had a busy day for a busy weekend. And it just, it was a bad day for us. And then I, I, I got into a, a church on Tuesday and I, I checked my email and there's from my grow group, one of our grow group guys said, Chris, I just want you to know I prayed for you Monday because, uh, you know, I just got up in the, and, and you were on my heart and your family was, and I prayed for all three of you. I said, wow, how cool that you told me that. Because you wouldn't believe how much we needed that. And God took got us through the day. We got through the day. But uh, what a great... It, things. I'm talking about things like that. That if you're a godless grumbler, you don't see those things. And to be quite honest, if you're not trusting God, you don't get those things. Are you with me? And so, anyway, that's, that's where we're at. Now, what do we murmur about? Where does godless grumbling come from? Well, if you haven't figured it out, it's from the heart. But let's let me as I as I studied through the Exodus passages, and I would really encourage you this week to read, read, get in the Word and read Exodus uh, those chapters, read Numbers, and just really look. and And here I pulled out of that. Here's three basic things. Here's what they were murmuring murmuring about, and here's what we murmur about. Number one, why our needs are not being met. That's what we murmur about. I paid for a good volleyball coach, and I didn't get one. I needed that. I needed. I needed a good volleyball coach. You say, oh, that's so silly. I would never murmur about something that's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, sure we do. You know, a good cup of coffee. You know, a timely... I mean, you, I mean we, we could spend all day long talking about what we murmur about. Why our needs are not being made, met. Now, look in your notes. Like the people of Israel, we murmur about unmet needs in tough times. That's the idea. I'm going through a hard time, and my needs aren't getting met. Now, murmuring in these passages we've looked at were about the most basic needs of life, hunger and thirst. Now, this puts our murmuring into perspective. Because vast majority of what we murmur about is nothing at that most basic level. But even at that basic level of food and drink, the necessities of life, we shouldn't ought to murmur about those things when they are unmet in the difficulties of life. And what's interesting is when you trace this word in the New Testament, this is what God's people are always grumbling about. The, the same similar word, of course it's in a different language in, in the New Testament, in Acts 6.1. It says, now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. They began to murmur. They don't like us. They're favoring their people. This is a racial issue. This is a prejudice issue. Let's take to the streets. Let's begin to riot. 
We need, a, we need new leadership that's sensitive to our needs. And then in John 6, and boy, I wish I, could, I wish I could go there. John 6 is Jesus in the wilderness with, with the Jewish people reliving the wilderness experience of Exodus and Numbers. And He just fed the 5,000. And then they come and they want more food. And they want daily food. They meet our needs. Meet our needs. And Jesus says, all I have is me now. All that was meant to point to me. And what did they do? They murmured against him. They grumbled against him. And he said, listen, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. I'm who you need to trust for your most basic needs. And his own, those who had identified as disciples began to grumble, the passages say, against him. Godless grumbling. The issue is trusting and obeying the I am God. Now, here's what we, here's what we grumble about when it comes to our needs being met. See if you can identify with this. Let God search your heart. First of all, what our greatest need is. See, we begin to grumble and murmur because we forget what our greatest need is. The Israelites thought it was water and food. And we think, what are, you fill in the blank what you think your greatest need is. An obedient family. A, 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 a relationship. A fulfilling relationship. A, a, a job that is fulfilling. I don't know what it is. They thought it was food and water, but you know what God said it was? Him and His Word. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8, there's a divine commentary on the wilderness experience in which Moses said to them, look, God took you through that to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Remember that passage where it says, heed the voice of the Lord? See, we think our greatest need is whatever we think it is. And God withholds that. Sometimes directly, sometimes He permits the devil to do it, as in the life of Job. But He, we, we, he withholds that basic necessity that you and I think we must have to survive. And He says, no, what you need is me. In my word, we grumble and murmur about how our needs should be met. They wanted their needs met. Oh, let's go back to Egypt where we could work to meet our needs. Let's let's do it in the power of the flesh. Let's do it in our power. And God said, no, I meet your needs not by what you do, but by faith and obedience. Wait for the manna. Depend on me. And by the way, you can't collect. You can't collect more of it for the next day. You have to trust me every day. See, we want to do it in our own effort. And God says, I want you to do it one day at a time. And then when our needs are met, they thought their needs should be met on their timetable. Hey, we're three days out. We're thirsty. Water ought to be here. If you're any kind of God, you ought to meet that need. And God said, look, it's going to be daily. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread and depend on him on a daily basis basis. So what do we learn from that? Murmuring is rooted in a selfish heart. Murmuring is rooted in a selfish heart. Why are my needs not being met my way on my timetable? Therefore, I murmur. And perhaps you do too. Number two, we murmur about how difficult it is to persevere in following God. We murmur about how difficult it is to persevere in following God. The 
Good news, the good news of the 12 spies was the promised land is everything God promised. The bad news is there's giants in the land and it's going to require warfare. So here's three things. Following God to his promised future requires, number one, real warfare. Real warfare. Sometimes why we murmur, sometimes why I murmur is because it's a battle to serve God. It's a battle to get from where I am to where God wants me to be. I don't want there to be effort. I want it to be easy. And God says, no, you got to fight. you got to fight every day. But I'm tired of fighting. That's why you need me every day. Real warfare. Don't murmur when there's giants in front of you in doing God's will. Don't murmur that... There's temptation every day. Don't murmur that you're still struggling with that same besetting sin. Instead, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Don't let physical, personal, family, relational enemies hold you back. Instead, trust in the Lord. Number two, it requires risky faith. To get from where we are to where God wants us to be takes risky faith. Yes, there's giants. Yes, it's going to be scary. Yes, there will be blood and guts. But it takes a risky faith. Three days, in, going three days, following Jesus three days into the desert without water is risky. And going 16, you know, 16 weeks later and not having food is risky business. But listen to this. If you're right now in that risky part of trusting God, remember this. His oasis of 12 springs and 70 date palms is right around the corner. That thing was there even when they were murmuring. It was there waiting for them. What they needed to do is risk trusting one day more. And the oasis is there. And the big picture of that is one day it's going to be heaven and the new creation. One day more. One day more. One day more. And then it requires relentless obedience. It requires relentless obedience. I can't say it any better than the old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Murmuring is rooted then in a lazy heart. Not only a selfish heart, but a lazy heart. See, I, I, I don't like hearing this, do you? See, I want to say I'm murmuring because of this and that, and them, and if God would just do this, and if they would just do that, this is why I've got problems. It's, it's all this. And God says, no, it's my selfish heart, and it's my lazy heart. I don't want to have to work at following Jesus. It's an unwillingness. I, I love, for, you say, now how, how, how simple is this? First Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint, without grumbling. Wouldn't it be great if hospitality, you hosts of small groups, didn't take any effort? Wouldn't that be great if you could just have people in and it would just, it would just be without grumbling and people wouldn't spill Cokes on your new carpet? Oh, we, that happened. But thankfully it was new, wasn't it, Christy? And it was like the Red Sea. It just floated. It just floated on top of that. Wouldn't that be great if, 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 if hosting was that way? If, be hospital without... Listen, you're not going to serve in the WOC. You're not going to serve in the world outreach without problems. But just do it without grumbling. Do it without murmuring. Number three, and this is the ultimate, 
We murmur about who is ultimately in charge of our lives. We murmur about who is ultimately at charge in our lives. And I won't read these verses. I included them there for you to read. But ultimately, what they murmured about is they murmured against their, their godly leadership, which ultimately was murmuring against who? It was against God. You see, when it comes to human leadership, murmuring is often rooted in, gel, in a jealous and proud heart. Miriam and Aaron were jealous of Moses' relationship with God and his responsibility, and they murmured. The tribe of Korah, who were cousins of Moses, again, a family issue, they wanted to enter into the temple and do what Aaron and Moses got to do, and they murmured. The people's needs weren't being met, and they murmured against their leader. Murmuring is ultimately against God himself. And the passages say that. And God says that. Why is that? Because when it comes to divine leadership, murmuring is always rooted in a rebellious heart. See, the whole thing that we are rebelling against is God's leadership in our lives. It's not Moses that led them to the wilderness. It was God that led them there. So here's what I want you to do, and we, and again, we're going to do the detox next week, but here's what I want you to do. We need to ask God, Lord, search my heart and show me the source of my godless grumbling. Is it a selfish heart that's focused on my needs getting met my way? Is it a lazy heart that's not willing to sacrifice and suffer into getting where God has called me to be? Is it a jealous and a proud heart, a rebellious heart that says, look, God, you're not quite getting this done. And of course, we saw in Job how that worked. Let's look to Jesus who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He didn't murmur. He didn't grumble. If anybody had a right, he did. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and prepare your heart. Do some reflection this week. Read Numbers, read Exodus, and then we're going to go to the New Testament next week because this whole passage is explored by Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to get the detox, okay? But first we've got to get the diagnosis, amen? Let's go. Lord, we come, and it's a scary prayer, but it's one we ought to pray every day. Lord, search me and try me and see if there's any wickedness within me. Oh, Lord. It is so easy to commit this sin of the mouth on a daily basis and participate in it and be a party of it and be in that mob mentality. And before we know it, you know, we have strung our president up and done damage to our leaders and we have replaced and, and ah, it's just it's just ugly, Lord. It's toxic. So search our hearts. See where we're selfish, Lord. Show us where I'm lazy. Show me where I'm rebelling against your sovereign working out of my life. And let me remember that there's rest in Jesus. There's rest in the oasis of your sovereign purposes working through your merciful work. And there's an oasis waiting right around the corner if we would just one day at a time follow you. Lord, search our hearts and apply the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ.
And may we be prepared next week to really take a hold of this in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go forth. Do good without grumbling this week.